Hello, folks. You're listening to a special episode of the MHOG podcast in which it's just me interviewing our friend Eric Hollerback. Because I'm retarded, I actually forgot to hit record immediately. Now, thankfully, I noticed that it wasn't recording. Actually, look, to be fair to me, I hit record, but since I it was recorded on my cell phone, it's not, it's not like you can, you know... Whatever. Point is, I was pretty sure I did it, but it didn't work. Uh, but the only thing that's being missed is like 30 seconds of the intro. So, uh, I don't know. And we're back! So, the just lead in. So, it's me and Eric Hollerback. Wayne and Rom couldn't be there. Uh, we're also, it's a live remote from a Starbucks. So, uh, I think the audio is pretty good, but not perfect. You know, because, well, anytime you do... A live remote outside, actually inside Starbucks, not that great either, because I've done that. But uh, but everything's audible, everything's cool. Hope you enjoy it. If not, you know, come come back. Yes, uh, next Thursday. Thursday's the next episode. But this is a, a pretty uh, loaded episode, <laughs> as you'll see. Just listen to it. Why, why are you still listening to me? Because I haven't stopped talking. Okay, here we go. doing a podcast together we're recording simultaneously mm-hmm. this is you'll find this as metal hand of god podcast 205 or 206 somewhere in there look for eric Hollerback. and episode 135 for highway diary wow look at that cooperation <laughs> at its now, finest it is worth pointing out that uh wayne is sick and because we're recording live rum is not able to be here Right. So, for those of you who, who do enjoy our show, The Middle Hand of God, or those of you who haven't heard it before, this is going to be a very unusual episode, because it's just me and Eric just talking, you know, just, you know, chilling at the Bucks. Yeah, we're at Starbucks. We had to, we kind of wanted to meet in, like, a location that was right. a little bit in between us. I was a little late, because I didn't pinch off my loaf fast enough. I was mid-shit going, I think I'm going to be 15 minutes late now. Because sometimes... I eat a lot of steak. I don't know if you know this, Adam. And You look like kinda, a carnivore. I am. But I work out, but I eat a lot of steak, and sometimes I'm screaming on the toilet, you know? Really? Really? It doesn't always um, go smooth. You know, when I look at you, I see, like... I can, You know, you hear about all these different things that we might have evolved from, and I can see, you know, there's definitely some, some T-Rex in you. you I know, think you got so. The, you got the teeth. 
Uh-huh. You got the teeth. The tiny teeth and the little... <laughs> the little arms. The little arms. No, I don't think your arms are that little. Right. Well. Wow. <laughs> so, uh... Whoa. So, a lot of things have been going on on Facebook. Right. You know, we put me on a show called A Twist and Lime uh, right. this past month. And that I appreciate it, you know, and... Uh, Was that a month ago? Yeah. Yeah, it was at the end of July, beginning of August. Yeah. So, yeah, about a month ago. So, um... The Full Metal Comedy, which occurs at Twist of Lime. It is monthly. Uh, I'm the host, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of people, including well, the comedians. You're dipping your toes in the stand-up very slowly. The first time I did it, like, four months ago, mm-hmm. you were just like, give it up for this person. You said nothing. This Did time, I host that? Yeah, you were the host, but you just brought up people. You didn't say a word. Uh, you know what? That was my first time hosting. And uh, you, do you, I don't know. You probably don't know what happened at the end of that. Uh, uh, Corey came up after it was all done and was like, uh, "You can't do that anymore." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "If you're gonna host, you gotta tell jokes." And I was like, "But I don't. I don't tell jokes. I'm like that's not. I don't do that." Like he's like, "If you're gonna, if you're gonna be host, you gotta." Tell, I don't know. What sides of Corey you've seen, but I'm always amused. Like, because Corey's a very silly person, and then every once in a while he gets really serious and scares the crap out of him. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, if Corey's listening to this dude, you can't, like, do the, you, you have to have different moods or just choose one. Like, you can't, you can't he, mess he with does, people like that. He does switch. Corey's is a very good friend of mine. I uh, love the guy. So I think we everybody were. Loves Corey. Well, from, from, from according to that podcast that I listen to, uh-huh. maybe everybody does, and according to him. Well, I don't, I don't know. know why. Yeah. I think Corey Max a hilarious guy. He mm-hmm. always he's got a show always at the Rock and Blues in Covington on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. He's a bad motherfucker. But we were we were uh, writing a reality show together, me and him. Really? I, well, I I Where used to story. Well, we we've basically made a little treatment. I don't know what what we'll do with it if anything but it was just about it was like a, a reality show concept and I don't want to go into it so we were just writing it right. together and then I just he gave me an idea and then I said I'm not sure if we could shoot that because of this and that and he goes don't step on my dreams bro don't step on my dream and he was like super serious all of a sudden I was like uh. <laughs> I wasn't trying to step on his dreams so I was trying to talk about more his formatting I'll step on his dreams Formatting. I will call so, you. I don't know, but he's. I'll roast battle you, <laughs> which I do want to talk about. You're okay. doing the roast battle. Yeah, I have a, a show called Sunday Roast Battle at the Lana Wee. We have two more dates scheduled. Tomorrow, I'm going to schedule it for the next two years. Wow. Once a once a month for the next two years, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so the next ones are September 20th, uh, and then also October 18th. 2015. Uh, September 20th, so that's three weeks, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, from the date that this is recording, not yeah. the date that it airs. Although you said September 20th, so I'm sure people can figure that out. <laughs> They'll figure it out. They got, they got time. You can buy tickets on Groupon for four bucks or five dollars at the door for those shows. I got, and I listened to the, um, I, I ended up missing the the roast battle that Kyle and Jake Potter, yeah. Kyle Smith and Jake Potter went up against each yeah. other. And you, like, almost like you were listening. You included that actual roast between the two of them. Yeah, and uh, I was I was really impressed. I, I was I was actually, uh, but I think both of them got in some good licks. And at one point, Kyle said something like, "Your face looks like you got hit with a pot of hot grits." Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I was slapping the wheel. <laughs> I was uh, I was very amused. So uh, no roast battle. I, I love that. I love that yeah. idea. I love. 
first of all, I like the idea that you have comedians going up against each other and like uh, it's. I was at, I was on a road trip and there was a church group that I ran into. They had shirts that apparently this is a Bible verse that says, uh, "Iron sharpens iron, men sharpen men," which sounds more like like gay porn than a Bible quote. <laughs> but men sharpen men. Yeah, the idea is that uh, like you can't you can't get better on your own. I see. Like you got to test yourself against yeah, other yeah, other yeah. people. So <laughs> like you have comics and. You know, y'all go on stage, and so there is a loose competition. Whereas, like, who is the funny? You know, who is funnier throughout the night? But there's right. not two guys like, all right, you're gonna do your best, and I'm gonna do my best. And I think y'all can get better as comedians by doing things like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think if anyone epi- uh, listened to episode uh, 135 of Highway Diary, that was called Band of- at Hi Ho. That's kind of how it all happened. I mean, I was also in Los Angeles, and I, I performed at... Uh, the Comedy Store has a roast battle, mm-hmm. and uh, they basically invented this idea. Right. And I performed at that a show early when it was an open mic. That show started as a partial open mic show, mm-hmm. just to get people in and stuff. But then it kind of took on a life of its own. But I knew the organizers. I asked them for advice and stuff, and they're super cool with me mm-hmm. doing it, and everything's cool. But... You know, for you know, I started getting um, annoyed because, you know, I got banned from the hi ho. Obviously, I don't want to talk about this every fucking show, but it, right. the only reason why I'm talking to you about this is because you uh, were on that episode, right. which uh, we'll yeah. get into in a minute. Um, yeah, no, I, I, but I love the idea, and I think, okay. uh, I, I just think, number one. For whatever reason, sometimes in some communities, people need gimmicks to sort of bring them in. Right. And I think it's not exactly a gimmick, but it sort of is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something unique that you're not going to see. You yeah. Know? So, uh, but I also think that, I hate to say this, but I feel like a certain amount of comedians in, in like, the southern, southeast Louisiana that are kind of lazy about their writing... And doing something like that, you can't just go in with like the material that you did three weeks ago. Right. You know, like it's like it's like, all right, what am I going to say about this guy? Yeah. How am I going to hit him? It's very important for me to let the comics know a month ahead of time, mm-hmm. because even if they don't write for a month, it'll be in the back of their head. It's impossible for it not to. If you know a month from now you got to do this ridiculous blood sport with another comic where you're going to mm-hmm. try to say the meanest shit possible, I want that person in the back of your head for mm-hmm. a month. So that maybe you'll write two weeks out. Maybe you'll start re- writing one week out. But at least you'll have raw material to pull from. If that's, right. it's very important for me to organize. It's not an easy show to put on because a lot of it's very easy to get comics to just do their stand-up set. They would right. love to do that. It's hard to go. Hey, have three minutes ready to go. And if you look if you look bad, it could go real bad. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's very, it's kind of scary. But that's how you get better. And it's the yeah. same as when you started doing open mics. Right, of you, course. You're going to bomb, and that's how you know whether or not you're cut out for it. Right. But um, speaking of writing jokes, and we'll go into the, the stuff about that episode and my thoughts on it uh, in, in a little bit, but um, uh, sort of part of that episode is, like, the PC society that we live in. Yeah. And, like, like doing jokes and how people take it. Um, you know... Briefly, but like we'll get into it later. But one of the things that Polk said about you is that you're not funny. Right. Here's the thing: like 
I, I look, there's a lot of things with people that I don't find funny professionally or, or whatever personally. But like who's the arbiter of that ultimately? And like if he sees you one night and you have a bad performance, look, the guys at the top of the comedy food chain have bad nights. I've seen David Tell do jokes that aren't landing. You telling me, you know, Eric Hollaback isn't allowed to have an off night, you know, like what what you know, what goes into that, you know, and, and who like it's just such a weird thing. And it's also weird that you know, we live in this politically correct society where some people are allowed to make certain jokes and some people aren't. And some of those people, it's not necessarily racial or sexual or what have you. Sometimes yeah. it's just, uh, well, that joke landed, so it's okay. Yeah. But then the next guy comes and his joke doesn't land. Right. Which is what I'm about to get into. Now, we're around people, so I'm going to edit this joke in a way that doesn't offend anyone that... You know, like this isn't. We're not. A, we're not on stage where right, right. you know what you're getting into. Like, like Worse. if you're offended by my joke, oh well. There are people behind us that aren't a part of this. So innocent bystanders. Innocent bystanders, like people who don't want to get run over by my car, my comedy train. <laughs> so, um, so I've been doing jokes since that night that you uh, that you saw me host. Right. I've done it three or four times, and it's it's like two minutes. Because I figure I can get away with that. I'll go up and I'll do a little bit of stand-up. Then I'll introduce people. Everything's cool. And I, my, I feel like my goal should be to be entertaining, not necessarily. I'm not a stand-up, so I'm not going to try and pretend like I am. I'm a weekend warrior, so to speak. Um, but the way I work is, like, I don't... Because I'm hosting and I know it's mostly the same audience, I try not to do the same material every week. So what ends up happening is the week before the show, I start freaking out. Because I'm like, all right, what am I going to say? And I'll sort of, sort of cycle through material. And I'm, I'm talking like 20 or 30 different jokes over the course of a week. And like, like I'll be like, oh, that's good. I can do that one. And then like a couple of days later, I'll be like, no, maybe I shouldn't do that one. Yeah. Like I'll psych myself out. Yeah. And what ends up happening ultimately is the night before the show, whether it's Friday or Saturday, I'll just come up with something then. So it'll be a week of waste. Right. But I had a bit that I was going to do. So, the show that I'm about to do is September 4th, which is this Friday. Uh, the comedians on it are Red Bean, Carrie B, Nature Boy, Corey Mack, and Trey Romero. So that's four black men and one white guy. Now, this joke should be fine, because in my head I'm like, well, they're all comedians. But then I'm like, well, I'm not a comedian. Uh, if I don't land the joke, like, right. no, I don't think Corey's going to be mad at me, but, and Trey won't either. Those other guys don't know me. Right. So, basically, the joke is this. So, <laughs> don't you love it when someone sets up their joke such in such a way that there's no chance of it ever being funny, <laughs> and tells you that he's editing out everything that, that gives it its impact? But, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my boss came up to me, and I was cutting, uh, some plastic zip ties cutting something off and uh, he looked at me and he said I'm going to go get you a pair of dykes and I froze and I was like oh I don't think they're going to be able to help me with this so apparently dykes used to refer to wire cutters and I thought well that seems silly like because when you think dyke there's like dams then there's the slur 
and I don't know anybody that refers to wire cutters by that that phrase. And I was like, well, maybe maybe we should like cut out the innocuous definitions for this slur. You know, it's like you wouldn't go to a grocery store if you wanted to smoke and pick up a pack of. You can guess what the next word is. <laughs> um, but so I, I have this joke in my head, and I'm like, that's if if I land it, that's it's funny enough. Right, right. But then again, I start psyching myself out because you don't want you're just thinking about oh, I'm going to say the word fags at the end of this, and right? Who's going to be pissed <laughs> off? Right. So yeah. Uh, See, so I'm like, is is Nature Boy? gonna say look dude i'm not i'm not performing this show number one you're the host what are you doing this for you know number look, two look i've said re- I'm, and i'm just using i don't know nature boy i'm not right you know but go on i mean all those people perform at com- comedy gumbo every thursday they're mm-hmm. probably there right now at the helen wolf i mean i've said ridiculous shit i've done all my material in front of them so they've heard mm-hmm. it all they they've never i've never seen those guys kick out anyone for doing anything <laughs> right I mean, if some white dude started dropping the N-bomb, then they would probably get kicked out. But, right. And also, probably, they would kind of make sure that he was safe on his way out. That nobody else... I don't right. know. I'm not saying Red Bean's going to get in front of somebody's punch. But I'm saying they might be like, hey, okay, they're right. trying stuff. They're right, trying right, stuff. Right. So, I mean, I think it's all about confidence. Like, if you're like, yeah, I'm fucking doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I know people like Joey Diaz, Joey Coco Diaz says mm-hmm. that word all the time. He's He's... But that dude's come very close to straight up murdering people. <laughs> yeah, he's kidnapped people. He's a felon. Right. He's kind of when he says it with such authority and that thick Jersey accent, you're like, I'm not changing this guy. Mm-hmm. Who's going to change this guy? Right. So why are we even going to start the conversation? That's what kind of blows me away, though, about the comedy scene in New Orleans because I found that when I came here, it was like very politically correct. I I had a fiction class that I had. Uh, one class of and I dropped it at University of New Orleans because people were just instead of talking about what was good or bad about my fiction story mm-hmm. they were just talking about which and which fictitious character was exploited or like slut shamed or called a milf or reduced I said a Hawaiian bouncer at one point they were like Hawaiian you can't what you can't say Hawaiian bouncer you can't say Hawaiian bouncer is I'm that, trying is to that picture, a euphemism for something? Uh, no, I'm saying the guy was like a Samoan dude, just so that people would get a thing. But it's like, oh, that's like gender reducing or whatever what? the fuck. And it's just like when I see the comics doing this stuff where they're just like, I, I think it's really the universities just coddling everybody that, oh, let's cushion your ears from words. Are you fucking kidding me? How else would we talk about something completely deeply enough to understand all the complex issues in it? You can say faggot and and be make the greatest point in chemistry that has ever been made. It wouldn't be like E equals MC faggot, but it would be like these faggoty electrons, they're doing this. Whoa, they are doing that. I don't right. know why he had to say that word. But right. just are we gonna close our ears off from the possibly beautiful philosophical mm. nuanced points that a comic can say because he used your trigger words right. you got too many trigger words that's in your fucking head that's your problem how about you go deal with that outside right go blog about it stupid <laughs> well you would never have the balls to stand up and try to say oh i'm offended by trigger words that's your stand-up set go fucking suck dicks stupid no one would be <laughs> no who would find that entertaining this is what I'm victimized by, and this is what I'm victimized by. I was slut-shamed, and people, when they look at me, they rape-gaze me. 
Applause. At, no, that at, would never happen. At this point, I want to point out to the audience that <laughs> Eric is actually doing the handheld microphone yeah. like this maneuver. Uh, no, no, I'm with you. And it's it's ultimately like <clears throat> diminishing to art. Yes. Like, uh, I forget what I was talking about the other day, but uh, political correctness doesn't foster a more sensitive society. It just takes away thoughtfulness. Look at the, what the prohibition did for alcohol. Okay, look at what the prohibition did for alcohol. When booze was illegal, mm-hmm. everyone said, fuck you, and they drank five more times. Mm-hmm. The mob got all the money. When, right now, drugs are illegal. There would be no Mexican mafia making billions of dollars if weed was just legal. If weed right. was legal in America, the Mexican mob would be bankrupt overnight, and we would have medicine that works. When you put, like, cushions around things, when you make things illegal, words illegal, then it puts them in a more dangerous category. You're saying, don't, we can never possibly contextualize these words. They're dangerous. Never say them. I mean... That's the other thing, is that ultimately, and, like, like we've seen this slowly over the course of, like, the last 10, 15 years, but, but what we've learned to do is focus on the word which is essentially a symbol and not the intent because that's the thing words aren't about the actual language it's about the intent behind it right and there's so many so often that you see like when these politically correct like somebody lost their job or what have you where you're taking the intent out of it there was a woman who uh was flying home to south africa and she was a public relations person for some company and she had made a joke about how she was going home to South Af- Africa, where she's from, and she was like, "Hope I don't get, hope I don't get AIDS." Just kidding, I'm white. Now, is it a clever joke? Kind of. Like it's cute. It's not. It's not haha. But it's like, all right, I get you. But like they had like just swarms of people on the internet. Like they became a hashtag. Like, like because she was her she was losing her livelihood as she was on this eight hour flight. Yes. And it's like. I talked about this on the Highway Diary with Sean Murphy. I okay. played the uh, the Joe Rogan experience was talking about it, and uh, guy John Ronson wrote a book about like people being targeted on the internet. You know, like this pile on mentality of people right. getting piling on. Oh, but we're yeah. pack animals. It's it's yeah. total pack mentality. And they were. What was interesting about that was even people that were saying, "I hope that woman gets raped." Nobody attacked them because we're not smart enough to attack two people at once. Because she, well, also because like she's an approved target, right? Like that's that's the thing. Like people, yeah. there are approved targets and non-approved. And when you point out, hey, that person just did the same thing. Yeah, but they're okay. Yeah, they're and, one of us. And like the the stupider the person is, the worse things they're going to say. And I've said this many times, and I'll say this again. Andrew Heelan, after the Jeff McCormick episode came out, mm-hmm. I tried to say, hey. Andrew Heelan Andrew Heelan why do you hate me on Facebook and stuff you're like saying that uh, he posted in comics of the Gulf South don't book Eric Collarback and I said to his face what is what do you want to have a conversation about why you're angry at me and he just goes go away you're a garbage person go die in a bucket of AIDS why don't you fucking kill yourself why don't you and I'm like how that is the dumbest person I've ever had a conversation with in my life because it's like if you can't just defend yourself with rationally it's like if anybody was like I have a problem with you but hey let's get a beer let's talk about this like adults 
that is the sign of a mature person. Right. If if you came to me and said, we have different political opinions, mm-hmm. let's get a beer and talk about it. And I just started screaming in your face. Or let's just be friends face. and we don't necessarily have to hate each other just because we have Or just let's have a t- talk about it just right. so we know right. what the argument is mm-hmm. so I can we can have right, a right. rational conversation about it. If, so, if you start screaming at someone, you're the dumbest, least mature person in the world, Andrew Heelan. I love it. I love it when someone says to you either like you should you should go kill yourself or you should die or right. you shouldn't be allowed to have kids. And I always go, so you're in favor of eugenics? Yeah. Like that's that's what that is. Because I made a podcast. At least right. I went out swinging. Right. I went out swinging from my own effort. Mm-hmm. I hung a noose. Do some um, effort. Write some jokes. Do you? Th- feel like uh, do you feel like the Andrew Polk thing comes uh-huh. out of the Jeff McCork, McCormick 100%, thing? 100% yeah okay so well, so you actually, just became an approved target because well it's kind of an interesting story because there was a few scenes in the uh, episode 133 mm-hmm. where my arguments with Andrew Polk were reenacted right when I recorded the Jeff McCormick episode back in January I said, hey, Jeff McCormick, how about you reenact some things for me? You pretend to be Andrew Polk. Oh, really? That, that <laughs> is why everything happened. Revenge for me doing that. Because he knew I was putting out Bandit Hi-Ho. Mm-hmm. He knew what it was about. But I, for a long, for, here's the thing. I, I, this happened in January, right? Mm-hmm. I got banned from Hi-Ho in fucking January. I worked on it for probably every single day for four hours for like a long time because I was pissed off about what happened I you know because I have a lot I have 13 years of comedy experience when I moved here Uh right and I've never seen anything like the morons I've had to deal with here Uh so I was as an exercise in my own sanity I started documenting what my perspective on this scenario because I think it's pretty obvious what's going on and when I've told a hundred people what ha- what I got banned for, they're like, but it's comedy. Everyone had the same reaction. So I knew I had something going here. And then when I made, it was like I was using McCormick against him. Then he tried to use McCormick against me by saying that I was making fun of him. Which sadly worked. Which did degree. work. Which degree. was a, a tremendously good PR move. Like, uh, you know, Goebbels saying that the Nazis are great? Like a, like a propagandist. He is... A, when you have the truth on your side, I may, I mean, people could say that episode 133 is me being a propagandist, trying to make me look good, but I feel like it's, per- I mean, I show you all the audio. Right. I pretty much, I kind of lay everything naked, mm-hmm. and it's not until um, Gene Shorts bashed your show that I was on that everything, uh, I was like, uh, you know what, I have this old podcast that I haven't fucking, you know. Right put out yet that's pretty fucking explosive it's pretty fucking good so I put another 20 hours into it polished it up I sent the mp3 to everybody who was in it right right including me and including and you guys although because, technically it was me and Rome but irrelevant yeah so and I wanted to make sure everyone I'm not exploiting fucking anyone in this mm-hmm. podcast I'm not taking what you said out of context right. I did everything as good as possible and then I put it out and I'm so shocked how there's been zero backlash on Facebook. Are really? you are you surprised by did you have you been watching this? Uh, I've been waiting to see if anything happens, but we sort of run in different circles. Right. Like I know some comedians, but not one person, not one person has 
Well, said from what I've been told, this it. dude has a reputation for doing that. Like, I was told, uh, and I don't want to mention the name of the comic, but we were told that uh, we shouldn't take it personally because and, uh, Andrew Pope just dislikes you. And my thought was, yeah, well, he's bashing our show. you damn right I'm going to take it personal. Also... I know Eric Hollerback. Maybe not. We're not best friends. I don't know your entire life story, right. but I like you, and I'm given reason to dislike him. So I'm just going to go with your word over his. Right. You know, and uh, the way I work is, you know, like particularly my my best friends. But I I look at everyone like if you're nice to me, you can be part of my family. That's all it takes is just loyalty and decency to be part of my family. Right. And I'm Italian. You fuck with my family, and it's you know no, it's not it's not I'm not gonna not take that personally. But in any case, he's bashing the whole show, and I've also been told that he likes uh, dis- dislikes other comedians on that show as well. So either way, what difference does it make? Like it's still and suppose like from what I was told, this guy has a reputation for doing that. And beyond all that, the, the okay, so the clip that you used of me. Uh, was interesting because it was the only one from an actual podcast. That was from our episode 200, Build Something. And uh, so to briefly recap that, I was on vacation in the Smoky Mountains when I found out that Gene Shorts, which is a fake account, attacked our show. uh, Or attacked the the Full Metal Comedy show. And uh, so we cycled through a couple things, Wayne and I talked, and... I was really angry. There was there was a few minutes where I was violently angry. Yeah. But I'm a grown man. That's not how you solve your problem. But it's it does seem like a betrayal, you know. It's like it's like you're trying to do this thing. You you in your head, all you're trying to do is pay the comics out, mm-hmm. give them a chance to work out another 10 minutes of their stuff in a different venue outside New Orleans. And as I mentioned, we don't take a cut. We've taken a cut a few times. In fact, I think we took seven bucks off the last show. I, I performed on that last show. Right. Like, now, not as many minutes as, as our comics. But, I mean, if you're the host, shouldn't you take a cut? You know, much less the promoter. Right. But we don't do that because we know, like, we're still trying to build a scene. And that's the whole thing. Like, put, put aside Polk. Like, what I think is beautiful about that episode is it exposes the ugliness that goes on a lot not all the time but a lot behind the scenes of New Orleans comedy, New Orleans comedy scene and with these people that are causing that ugliness is, and it isn't just Andrew Pope there's plenty of other people that are part of that all that ugliness means that you'll never get the Los Angeles comedy scene you'll never get New York and it's not because of the population it's because if you don't work together you can't build anything and the thing is like if you're obsessed with comedy like if, if you like you know you never know who's gonna go, who's gonna pop. Ten years from now, you know, maybe Polk will be the biggest thing in the world, and he'll he'll fuck my career over. Let's, it let's, seems let's unlikely. It seems unlikely. Oh, only the fact that if you go around fucking with other comics all the time, or saying this show sucks, this show sucks. Yeah, we'll give that person ten years, and everything's different. Maybe I'll have a Netflix special in two years, in three years. You know. Like there's so don't why would why would you ever and then do, why would you want 
multiple comics going, if I make it, I will do anything in my power to fuck that person, because uh-huh. fuck that person. Why would you want bad karma out there? Right. It doesn't make Which any sense Which goes into to me. what your friend Yvonne was talking about. Yes. Like, and she, she, I guess she runs Lanui. Yeah. Okay, you know, and she was talking about, look, I've got industry contacts that were at this festival, and I'm not... You're not going to meet these people, and you're developing a bad reputation. And when I say that, like, Yvonne worked in Chicago. She worked in L.A. I started at the UCB. I was a performer there. I did stand-up there. I moved to L.A. You know, I've got friends. I have friends all over the place. If you look, anyone who becomes friends with me sees that mutual friends with, like, all the comics they know. Because I make it a point every time I go out. If I meet a new comic, I'm like, you're a brother, you know. And then so let's we say can keep just, in touch with Just because you use the name, I don't know whether you know him or not, but let's say Joe, uh, Joey Coco Diaz is in town. Yeah. And he's looking to, right. like, like take a local guy with him. And, he like, let's say he knows you. And he's like, Eric, so so who, who, who are the guys? Of course. Who are the guys? And, and Joey Coco Diaz, when he's in town, he does, like, performing at the La Nui, you know? And so right now, I'm... I mean, really, Kelly Stone and Mike Swenson are the managers there. Uh, Yvonne kind of has taken a backseat because yeah, she she's, she's pregnant and stuff. And, you know, but I mean, really, I'm one of the kind of sneaky managers over there as well because I'm how hel- I'm helping them rebuild the uh, Lanui, you know. And so it's like, I, you know what I mean? It's not. I'm not Even, saying, oh, I got power over <laughs> over at a club. Don't fuck with me. But no, I mean, it's but, like, but what good does it do to tear things down? Right. Ultimately, and here's my other thing. One of my complaints about a lot of comics, I feel like a lot of them don't do enough writing. And we mentioned, we I mentioned that earlier about the rap battles. And instead of, regardless of who it is, Andrew Polk or anybody else, because there are other comics that I've told you about that I've had personal problems with, and whatever. Instead of going screw with other comics, why aren't you working on your writing? Yeah. Why aren't you going on stage? Like, I don't see, you know, whoever it is, Joe Rogan or uh, or David Tell. I seriously doubt when they were in their, like, 20s and 30s that they were standing around going, let's see if we can get this guy banned from my show. Let's see if we can Photoshop someone's festival poster to right. make it look stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, to have that kind of time, you are a vendor vindictive little cunt like you're not like what is what what kind of spiraling demons do you have in your head that are satisfied and make your brain come because you're making a parody poster what serotonin how broken is your brain how many like to, to where serotonin is injected in your head where you're bashing someone else's festival it blows me away it and i i've worked in new york and los angeles i was saying before this does not happen there. You're more likely to get blackballed it doing something like that. It super doesn't happen. And I don't think they understand this. It doesn't happen. It right. does not happen. It doesn't happen. I've never seen it before. Uh, so when I saw it here, it blew me away. I was like, right. what are these people doing? Mm-hmm. Well, because everyone understands that even if that person sucks and he, he gets a sitcom and... So, and they write a character that makes him think of you even if you're not good friends he's seen your act he thinks you're funny you've given him nothing but nice things to say to about him you know we sh- you shake hands and how hard is it to just right. be like hey thanks for putting me on your show right. thanks for doing this and that it takes nothing you know and it's like to it's not especially do that. when you know the person's not being mean spirited 
that's 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 the important part to me. But uh, you know, we we talked about the pole jean shorts whatever incident on the show on what was intended to be our live show, but it ended up being like just me and Rum talking. Right. And the episode was called Build Something. And yeah. so, like I said, like I got really mad. It was about an hour where I was just furious. And I mean, I was in a car with somebody driving for, for three hours and they had to listen to me for one of those hours, just, just like venting about people they've never heard of. And at the conclusion of it, I came to one thing and we didn't mention Polk's name, not because I give a damn, but because like true, I told you when like I didn't have a chance to fully review the episode before you aired it, but I was like, number one, I doubt you're taking me out of context. Number two, I mean, there's really no like I don't care. Like, what's he gonna do to me? Like, like if like I've told you before, you can take away the comedy shows. If no other comic, I doubt that'll ever happen. But if no other comic ever wanted to work with us again, all right, we ain't making any money off of it anyway. We're podcasters, right? So. Just I don't do really your care. metal show and right, but I see what you're doing. I'm like, hey, this is another gig that I, you know, you can, you know, I'm sure even if you book me once every four or five months or whatever, cool. I got a gig to look forward to where I can sharpen 15 minutes. And Thanks for the opportunity. Audience. Why would I? Why would anybody go right on? You know, we're all struggling at the grassroots mm-hmm. level, trying to get something going, trying to build a community, trying to right. build a show, trying to build something. Me with the Sunday Roast Battle at the Lanoui as well. My show, you know, it's taken me... I only have it once a month as well. And my last one, I lost $30. But for me, it was important when I said, I'm going to pay everybody 10 bucks that I did that. And sure, I lost $30, but we had an awesome show. And I kept my promise. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And so, um, I don't know. But so, like... Well, my thing is, what I, what I, conclusion I came yeah. to on that episode was, you, you can hate me. You can attack me. And we, we've had, like, at this point, we've had, like, four or five different sets of people personally attack M. Hall. Uh, which is hilarious, considering, like, we're, we're, we're a good show, but we're still very, very small. Right. You know, so it's very weird. It's not like we're famous, you know. Like, right. it's weird, like, you're going to make your bones off of attacking us? All right, whatever. Um, I'm not going to give any of those people credibility. That's that's the only reason I didn't mention Pope's name. I was like, he doesn't listen to that to the show anyway. So, right. what does it matter? You can come after me. You can you can do whatever you want. I'm going to keep building things. I'm not going to focus on people who hate us forever, whatever reason. And I see you've done that yourself. Like you, on some level, you have to deal with it because unfortunately, you're a comedian and you can't you can't do that in a vacuum. So you have to deal with these people to some degree or another. And there's only so many places to do stand-up in New Orleans. There's, a, there's, there's more than a few down. But it's not like L.A. or New York or Chicago where you can go just about anywhere and do, and do stand-up somewhere. So you do have to deal with those people on some level. But you took that negative and you're like, all right, like, that gives me an idea. Other people, you know, like, they go settle their hash on comedy roast battles in, 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 uh, in the comedy store. So why not do that here? People got a lot of hash to settle here in, in New Orleans yeah. for whatever reason. But then when you look at the the little squirrely Facebook demon right in the face and go, hey, why don't you show up, bitch? They say nothing. So what does that tell you? You know what I mean? It tells me that it's easier to it's be just a small fear. fish than, than to ever actually have to confront things and get better. But now it's like I've been around the world enough to just go, oh, 
you're terrified that they're going to kick you out of the scene if you don't call this person a garbage person. You operate out of fear. Oh, you don't respond and say, yes, I do have things to say to you, and I'm funnier than you, so you have fear. Okay, so you're a scared bitch, so that's what it is. Now I'm, now I'm confident, I'm old enough to just go, oh, you're a scared bitch, you don't want to do that, and you're only fucking, you're only, uh, you know, got courage under pseudonyms on Facebook? Well, right. you're a bitch then. That's what right. the answer to that is, mm-hmm. you know? You know, uh, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, and one of them I listen to is Jay Moore, and he talks a lot about how most of his career, he was a dick. Right. Like, and he's known as that, and in fact, a lot of, a lot of comedians still can't stand him. He's a very talented guy. Right. But they don't, like, they don't even, they won't accept them. Um, and some of that's just because of how he behaved, how selfish he was as a comic when it came to other comics. I think Mark Marin also says that he has beefs with different comics. But my, I mean, my beef is just like, you're mean. Mm-hmm. Don't be mean. Right. That's my beef. Don't mm-hmm. scream in my face when I'm trying to offer an olive branch. When I'm saying, right. hey, let's talk as men. You scream in my face. Don't be, don't be irrational. You can dislike somebody and not have to have beef or have, right. have hatred. You, right. can, you can be on a show with somebody you don't necessarily agree with or don't necessarily get along with without it being a thing, you know, without it being, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to work if you're going to hire that person. Right. Which we, you know, again, mostly because I don't really feel like getting into it with people. I got enough people attacking me as it is, but um, I'm not going to mention names, but we were asked to kick you off one of our shows. And right. we were like, Nah, we're not gonna do that. Number one, are you saying the last show? No, 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 no. This one? Well, I mean, I guess technically, if you really want to argue, I guess, I guess in a way, I guess in a way, people were looking to get rid of you one way or the other. But we were specifically asked the first show, right, right, to 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 take you off. Yeah, and (laughs) we're not getting involved in that. Like, like, why? Like, has this dude done anything to us? No. All right. Or he he exploited a person who was autistic. Uh, all right. Like, was it funny? <laughs> That's my first question. If it's funny, I don't care. Like, like, did the person? Like, he didn't drag him out in the street and like, like, say twenty points if you hit him. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do about that? I mean, I will still maintain that I think Jeff McCormick is my favorite comic to watch. I, I howl laughing. Here's the great thing about him. Talk about writing jokes. Every time I see him, you have no idea what you're going to get. You know, he is a true original. And um, and I was trying to showcase him on my podcast as a comedian. The, it's the thing, there's a lot. Like, I'm always shocked when, when Wayne finds new comics. Cause he finds new comics all the time. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. Mostly because I don't hang out in the comedy scene. Right, right. And there's always, like, that's the wonderful thing about doing other people's podcasts and doing other people's right. comedy shows. Is right. You get exposed to somebody new that, you know, like, people focus so much on the big guys. But it's like, you know, like I mentioned David Tell because David Tell's basically my comedy. Him and Stephen Wright are the people that, if, whatever. You know, um, but, Rushmore. right, right. But if those guys weren't those guys, the first three years that you saw, it took it took right. work, and you don't know. Eric Hollerback might be David Tell one day, right? You know, but you're not going to know that if you if you only focus on who the big people are, you know, and you know it's like look, yeah. there's so much opportunity, especially here in Hollywood, you know. <laughs> almost at Hollywood South, God help me. Uh, and here in New Orleans, you have the whole Hollywood South thing where right. you have people like 
whatever, Louis C.K. or whatever coming down, and Pat Oswalt and their neighbors. Who? Jamar Neighbors was filming uh, the Key and Peele movie here, and he oh, did he my show. Movie here? Yeah, wow. the Key and Peele movie. I didn't yeah. know about that. He was, uh, you know, he was filming that movie. He did my show because okay. he was uh, also part of it in the Los Angeles scene. I'm at the trip. You know what I'm now. saying? And so it's like, why, why would you try to fuck my shit when? Right. <laughs> you might meet somebody who might want to take you. Like under it's, his wing one day. It's a very or, small or network. Her. It's a very small world. It's a very small scene, really. I mean, mm. it's like you are really the only show in Metairie, and it's once a month. How difficult? It, why would you piss off the two people mm. who basically have a once a month show in Metairie, right. and that's the only? Well, thing actually, going on, they know? have a, had a couple of other ones pop up after us, but but whatever. But but it's small. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like if there's like twelve people. 13 people mm-hmm. who run shows in New Orleans why wouldn't you want to be nice to all of them and ha- an exchange I'll tell you one better why don't you well, just be nice to people just because you can <laughs> yeah just exchange comics with each other mm-hmm. ex- and always be professional be professional right say thank you come in you know it's very very simple right. but it's just just be nice you can always hate that person in private Without right. like ruining business, or just don't book them, but don't scream at people. Like right. don't go on these ridiculous, pompous ego trips. It's I, I mean it's what are you Trump now screaming at people? Right. Like what are you doing? <laughs> well, I've told you. I think I said it on the because uh, the last time we recorded together, we did like one episode of M Hog, one episode yeah. of Highway Diaries, and I think it was your show that I, I had said like I just feel like. A large percentage of comics are some of the most sensitive people on earth, and like part of that's what makes people funny. But sometimes it's like you can't, like the people that should be able to take a joke, like they can't. Right. Like they, they they take everything personally. Right. And like I'm the first to admit, whether you're stand up or you're yeah. or you're a podcaster, we're all narcissists. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we weren't narcissistic. Listen to everything I say. It should be recorded on the internet forever. <laughs> I got four. <laughs> <laughs> Three or four shows. Uh, uh, Chase Myers from uh, from Baton Rouge was like, "How much do you think you have to say to the world?" I was like, "Fair point." I get the fuck off my show, but, but fair point. I know, know Chase. He's a good guy. He is. He is very funny. Yeah. So I don't know. I just uh, I'm a little sick of the negativity, and it's not just the comedy community. I feel like podcasting. Like I've been, we've been trying to do this with so many communities, trying to say, hey. Let's all work together. Let's all try and like do stuff together, because, like, for, at least on the podcast end, it's like I listen to Adam Carolla and Joe Rogan and all these guys, and even when they're on different networks, they all go on each other's shows. They're all right, like, right, let's right. all help each other out. Yeah. They're not enemies. Right. Some of them are, but that's personal, you know. But I but, mean, I think if they are, they would say exactly why they were angry. Right. And then when they asked the other person to be the podcast, they would mm-hmm. do it and squash the beef. I remember there was a time when, like, uh, Opie and Anthony was, like, they were smashing, they were going after Whoopi Goldberg. And then Whoopi Goldberg showed up. And then right. Jim Norton said, yeah, that's what a fucking comic does. That's what a comic does. They show up and go, what's the beef, bitch? Mm-hmm. So it's like Whoopi Goldberg, you know what? It's just a matter of reps in the gym. It's a matter of doing it long. It's a matter of having experience. It's a matter of bombing, you know, doing comedy for 13 years. I mean, I bombed once a week for 13 years. Right. It kind of gives you a thicker skin where it's like, okay, well, I can, I'm not going to take this, get so emotionally invested in every single night that I'm doing right. this. 
hopefully overall your graph goes up if you keep writing if you keep new jokes are like water on your gills you know if you don't have new jokes you start to die as an artist so it's like you know we're going forward doing this getting new jokes building towards my hour so I don't know I I I, I just like I said like I'm not focused on Polk or anybody else and I'm not afraid to argue uh, on stage or otherwise or fight somebody (laughs) but it's wasteful I'm 36 years old do I really want to waste my time with with somebody that hates me on a local level you know or just somebody in general or do I want to like build something which is what that's really what MHOG is about is trying to to build things and uh, I've been like you'll see me on Facebook hashtag build something and it's just a day like a reminder to people hey you could be fucking around on Facebook talking about whatever Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or you could be trying to build your own life right which would you rather do whether you're a comic or a podcaster or just somebody who works at the post office it's wasteful and it's it's so high school that's ultimately what all this stuff is everything we just talked about it's fucking high school shit. We're just gossiping like a couple of teenage girls on their pillows. I know, and like I've got like a half fight. a chub, you know, uh-huh. that girl out there is showing a little bit of underwear. Whoa, estrogen. <laughs> Look, let's talk about Scientology, because you posted a picture of you graduating Disney Academy. <laughs> it looks like you're in a cult. You're wearing a, a, a sea captain's outfit. I'm wearing bell bottoms. Oh yeah, you posted the Sea Org thing, mm-hmm. right, right, right. I did get that. <laughs> no, that was uh, you know today's quote unquote Throwback Thursday on Instagram, and uh, I was looking through my old Disney College Program pictures, and I had told uh, on our live episode, I had told told people about the uniform I used to wear, and it's ugly as sin, including the tightest pants that no one would ever want to see me wearing, and they're not really bell bottoms because of the way I'm shaped. That's kind of how they looked. Right. And it's it's pretty gross. You're pear-shaped, so they got they f- fringe at the end. That's being kind. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, you know, the funny thing is, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, but I was, like, 50 pounds less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever it was, you like, know. Like, boy, I look good. As, as much of an asshole as I look in that fucking outfit, I cut well, it pretty good. I always look like an asshole. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that, but no, I was uh, I was in the Disney College program. Wow, that's that's what that was from. I drove I drove the monorail for three months until they kicked me out. For what? Licking too much Austrian pussy? No, it was South African. Oh, hot ass South African girls. You were fucking them in like the Disney swing? No, no, they wouldn't let me fuck them. I could only lick their pussy. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good part. South African girls have high standards, you know? They come from such a great place. Yeah. <laughs> lick my bumble clam. That's, that's a Hey, careful, you're getting the engine started, son. Uh, no, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I'll say I brought the train a little too close to another train, and they frowned upon that, so... You were driving the... You don't really drive it. You you control the speed, and you're supposed to stop at certain points, and I didn't stop when I was supposed to stop. And you almost murdered 12 people on Space Mountain. First of all, there was were... at least 90 people on that train. <laughs> there was at least 90. If I'm going to kill people, I'm going to go big. 
Yeah, yeah. But go big or go home. Right. But uh, but no, nah, so they, they actually transferred me to the princess counter in Toontown. <laughs> you a, can do no damage there, the princess counter. The safest More than job. you think. More, more, uh, more damage than you think, but it's more psychological than physical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And mainly to me, to be honest with you, it was a very demoralizing job. I can well, you were in the sailor suit working the princess counter. Why is that embarrassing? <laughs> Actually, in Toontown, the uniform is jeans, which is nice, and then like this Disney-themed old-fashioned Western shirt from like the 1950s. So, like, if you looked at afar, it looked like uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, I don't know why I'm making bear bear signs, but. Uh, uh, it was like it was like a pattern, and um, but when you looked up close, it was little Mickey's in different positions, and uh, really ugly. Really, I'm gonna use the word, word that word again. Demoralizing. It was very demoralizing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> let's talk about Scientology because I was in. Uh, I have this great class taught by uh, Henry Griffin, great professor, and it's called Conflict, Concept, and Character. You know, I'm in grad school at UNO, uh, getting my master's in screenwriting and shit, and. Um, that he made us read the screenplay of Doubt, a movie with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, Meryl Streep. It was originally... Oh, uh, the thing where he's a priest? Yeah, the, all the convents and the priests. See, I thought you were going for the master a second ago. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, it's very related because I kept saying, uh, there's one girl in our class who's, who's studying Christian education, wants to do Christian education, and at every chance I get, I'm like, Is, isn't Christian education an oxymoron? And then I kept saying that this obviously these nuns and these priests live together they're not allowed to fuck it's a cult they're in a in a in a sexless cult where they have to wear head i mean imagine okay well you're pre, you're a priest living with nuns y'all take celibacy oaths y'all live next door to each other and all they're doing is gossiping and confu and Accus and like the priests are fucking little boys, or there's an accusation of it, and the and the women are just gossiping, trying to take them down. But no one's fucking each other. But they're it's all ridiculous. ugly people. Nobody, they don't want to fuck each other. They're all ugly. You wouldn't take a blowjob if if the lady put had kept her whole nun outfit on. You wouldn't take a blowjob from an ugly one if it was does her she, first blowjob. Does she as look a like Gidget? <laughs> I mean, Gidget now, like really old. I'm just saying, any there's got to be one that is decent looking. Let's say the best looking priest, the best looking lady. Why wouldn't they fuck? When I went to it's ridiculous. Uh, when I went to De La Salle, uh, which is a local Catholic school, yeah, uh, there was uh, one of the nuns. Was this little old lady, and during basketball games and football games, she would put on, I guess, the cheerleader nun outfit that was. Uh, polyester and tighter no I wouldn't fuck a nun like I still have nightmares about that <laughs> very nice old lady though <laughs> I'm just saying there's gotta be some thirsty bitches in there that are all cray cray cause they ain't getting some D you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but you were in class I was so I was in class <laughs> But I think that Scientologists, and, and if you're in the Sea Org, okay. which is the people that uh, they work for like $20, $20 a week, mm. they're often doing manual labor. If you're a bad Sea Org member in Los Angeles, they'll send you out to the desert in California, where they'll basically, it's like a concentration camp, they'll make you walk in a sandy circle for a day, 
no food or water. Like, they torture people. See, until my they mom become... would recommend that because she, <laughs> she looks at it a way of losing weight. <laughs> so they get, but it's like, these, these are torturous methods of losing weight. These are, this is a, a, a really concentration camp, right? Well, no pain, no gain, man. What, you got no dedication? I'm just saying, I mean, it blows my mind that Scientology is still a thing. And then it also blows my mind that being Catholic is still a thing. It blows my mind that anyone has any religion. I think all religion is mind control. I think people sometimes like those programs and download them and become devout to a very narrow framework of thinking. But I think that religion is actually very a very kind of dangerous thing in the long run because instead of looking at the complexities of the world, everyone is looking through uh, uh, foggy glasses of angels and demons instead right. of very nuanced pe- people in gray areas situations. Uh, it's more complicated, the real world. That's become a very popular opinion. I disagree with it totally just because, um, like, anytime... You're religious? No, not at all. Um, human beings need something to... Is that dude going to go, like, shoot up the taco joint he's just buffing walking because he's been he's been sitting in that car for a very long time and all of a sudden he's got a mission actually we might be witnessing a drug deal anyway mm-hmm. um no people people need something to aspire to and when they don't have religion they just find something else everybody does we all i i i do you know like i grew up like honestly i always tell people my aspirations were mainly from reading comics. Like, right. I was I was taught about, like, self-sacrifice and all that, not from religion, even though I grew up Roman Catholic, but primarily from, like, reading Batman and Spider-Man. You know, a lot of who I am is largely, like, a, uh, a extrapolated from me reading comics, you know, my whole life. People, people will find something and like uh, like all these things where like uh, like it was a religious killing like you know you see the, the the Muslim terrorists and something like that people will find any reason to kill like if they're looking to right like it's it's just like a lot of that stuff you know if you is, get killed for drugs or Allah what's the difference you got shot right. in the head right like I always think it's funny that we use the term hate crime I'm like is it what what kind of murder isn't hateful really like, oh, well, that guy got paid to do it. Still, still, right. you're splitting hairs. But I I don't know. Like, if I could be religious, if my brain worked that way, I would absolutely, in a heartbeat. See, here's my my thing about this. is like, for me, I think my religion is comedy. It's a, uh, when people laugh at something, mm-hmm. that they laugh in the truth of comedy. There's a All book right. called Truth and Comedy that Del Close and Sharna Halpern wrote mm-hmm. all about improv. But basically what they're saying is, if something's funny, or in a scene when you start to, an improv scene, whatever's true about their relationship, if you call out the truth, that's always going to be a laugh. Mm-hmm. So I think that comedy is a very good yardstick of truth in general, and if you're trying to get, you can get as existential as you want with that. But my, my other point is, I'm going towards, I'm building something for myself. Do something productive with your religion as well. Your religion could be basketball. If you become a master of basketball, you have a certain idea that it takes an incredibly dedicated focus to be good at something. And through learning hard work in basketball, you can learn hard work in anything. That's your 
discipline of the world. Well, that's the thing. Anything in this world can be taken and turned into a weapon. Right. You know, water is the blood of life. But you can drown. You can you can literally drink too much water and die from water poisoning. You know, like it. Anything like religion's done a lot of great things in the world, and there are plenty of like Muslims who live great lives. You know. Like, people make fun of Mormons, but Mormons all seem to be pretty nice people. Yeah, but also it's like, this is what, you know, I... Look, a bad person's going to be a bad person no matter what they believe. I know, but it's like, if if you have a friend, right, and they're in an abusive relationship, right, and they're always like, oh, I got welts on my face, and you're like, is that, did Steve do that to you? No, I fell down, I fell down the stairs... When you're like committed into a relationship, well, maybe she should learn to listen. When you're committed into a relationship for a long time, you can't see the bad in the person, and then slowly, if they're worse, slowly, 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 you could spend years in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship. I don't think that there's any difference with Scientology than an abusive relationship. There, it's like imagine if your religion that said that you it knew everything and you knew nothing and you needed it for all your truth. You know, it. So you're truth talking about the other brass now. Truth came from Scientology, not anything that you could ever say. So you need to get all your truth from us. Right. We're gonna scam you at every level. We're gonna we're gonna oh you want a spacesuit to go to Mars or whatever that's twenty thousand dollars I don't know what the hell they you want auditing sessions well okay they're fifty they're just gonna name ridiculous numbers and people are gonna pay them because you know their whole life and then eventually they go bankrupt and then they're working as an indentured servant to pay off some spiritual debt that is a very vicious program oh, absolutely and I actually know. Uh people in side churches that they give you know like not necessarily Joel Osteen but that sort of thing right, where they're right. giving money to yeah. to these people and it's like you don't have money yourself right and they have a yacht right you know it's the same thing with Scientology look I same I thing do with think, the Vatican <laughs> I think uh, like I said like and I and I'm not I'm not really a proponent of, of the Vatican or any of that stuff uh, and I'm certainly not a proponent of Scientology. I don't. I mean, but some people, everybody needs something to aspire to, to varying degrees. Like I needed a little less. And my brain, I grew up Roman Catholic, but my, I can't justify certain things. I, I believe in something that we constitute as God. But afterlife, as much as I'd love to believe in that, I just can't. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. But. Then there's people who need to are essentially lower functioning people, less self aware than me, who might need the rigidity. And then there's people above them who like religion, but they don't they don't view it as like absolute truth. You know, like there's that woman in Kentucky that people are talking right now that they're saying, you know, God told me not to issue gay marriage licenses, and people are going, right. she shouldn't have to. And I was like, no, she's welcome to not accept gay marriage but she's uh, this isn't like those bakeries where or pizza shops where people are being sued in private businesses this is somebody who's expected to uphold the law but she's telling people like God spoke to me God didn't fucking speak to you well she's also running a program of someone who put that in her head that you should not be gay but it would be something else if it wasn't that but it's like my my, I guess my other point is I was 
trying to tell because I watched my friend get gouged from from Scientology. So you knew, she had, you knew a Scientologist. Yeah, okay. she had no money. She was in mm-hmm. a in a marriage with a complete doofus that she hated and complained about him constantly and um, I met him a complete doofus Mm. and so but then when you try to say hey you're like in a cult and actually if you get to this level after spending $30,000 when you get to OT level 3 they're going to teach you all this alien shit that they showed in the South Park episode that's at OT level 3 what OT level are you of Scientology Mm -hmm. and she was like oh I haven't even gone clear yet and it's like because to get go clear, it's cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's but, when all the alien spirits are divulged of your body. <laughs> yes, but my point is, you can save that person a lot of time if you can get through to them mm-hmm. about what happens at the next higher level that they're bl- blindfolded to. And I think that through looking at how, do you know that like all congressmen have bank accounts with the Vatican Bank? And Catholic churches all over the country have tax-free real estate. Mm-hmm. Do you know that NYU is the second biggest holder of real estate in New York City and Manhattan? NYU's number two. Number one, the Catholic Church. Okay, there's issues here. There's huge issues here. So all, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that every religion's bad. I'm probably saying the best religion is when you go take ayahuasca in, in the Peruvian jungle. That's probably the best religion. You do it once, you're done with religion for the rest of your life. Okay, but there's also you, you, you like you can't conflate the Vatican with the belief system or, uh, or I just like, don't like being exploited. I don't like people exploiting people from for people a, t- get a tithing. in every way, every day. But like for nothing. Do it. You buy one book, the Bible, and study it privately, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. When you go every day and put a check, like some of your earnings, when it, when, mm-hmm. you know, you're toiling your ass off for that check, taxes are taken out of it. All this stuff. Every time you pay money, it's sales tax. I agree, you're but struggling. if that person feels at peace for it, does it really make a difference? Wouldn't they feel at more peace if they could have more Not leisure time to? <laughs> Not, dude, some things work for some people that don't work for others. I never have a problem. I don't have a problem with anything, insofar as you're not hurting another human being. And there's plenty. There's plenty that's wrong with the Vatican. There's a lot of, a lot of the reason that I'm not Catholic is because Catholicism is a bureaucratic religion. Like we're we're talking about, uh, you know, gay marriage and all that. Which, I mean, I don't know why anyone cares. But okay, but. Uh, masturbation, for instance, like you're, you're told masturbation is a sin, you shouldn't masturbate. Masturbation wasn't always a sin. Like it became a sin eventually, and has been for a long time. But eh, it's a little wishy-washy. But just the simple belief in certain tenets that gives you a little peace. Like I said, I'd, I'd be all for that. But it's what you do with it and who you are as a person. But again, like I know people. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have more problem with atheists these days than I do religious people, and a lot of that is because I see nine, nine or well, I'm just making up a number, but you know, I, I see much more atheist posts telling me what to believe than religious posts these days, and it's by a major factor. I don't really want to see. I, I don't really need to be told what to believe in any direction. Yeah. And a lot of people these days treat atheism and, frankly, science like it's a religion. And I think that's pretty bad. Like, I I get much more annoyed by somebody who tells me uh, 
this is the truth because Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, the science guy, say it. And by somebody who tells me he is risen, because I'm like, well, okay, well, the religious person is talking about something from their, you know, whatever you want to call it, made-up religious perspective. The other person's talking about something that's actually deals with, like, physics and stuff like that, and that's not the way science works. You don't get to just say, well, well, scientists say this now, so therefore that's how it is. Like, there's, there's a, a quote that I fucking hate, and this is why I dislike Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know for certain that he said it. It's always possible. I've seen the, the, this a lot, but maybe he didn't say it, so I'll give, I'll give that. But there's a meme going that's been going around for a long time that says, uh, it's his face, and it says, uh, the, the great thing about science is it's true whether you believe it or not categorically false. That's not what science is. That's not how science works. Science is our ongoing exploration of the universe and how it works. When you say something like science is fact, number one, it shows that you don't understand science. Number two, it's against science itself. I think what he's saying is, let's let's take when... He's saying, I don't like religion. No, I think what he's saying Oh, there, he says that a lot. Well, let's... let's People used to think that the world was flat. Right. If you took a vote on how many people think the world is flat versus a couple motherfuckers who started to think it was round, Mm -hmm. the results of that vote Mm -hmm. is irrelevant. The truth is the earth is round. So it's not like... The truth is we understand it now, but if you ask that, you know, whatever, what is it? I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, if you'd ask the science people of the age if the world was flat, they'd all tell you it was flat. Right. Well, they science were paid is, by the Vatican. Science is... Who knows? Science is ongoing, is, is my point. I see what you're saying. And so you can't treat science like it's religion. Like, a religion... Religion is a large metaphor that some people take a little too seriously. So you, what you're saying is just science, the term science, is this pursuit of the truth. And right. Science truth. is a method. It's our, it's our is, way of understanding the universe, and so is religion. But religion, you can always take as a metaphor. You should never take science... And the way you take religion, you shouldn't make it into a. Religion. But also, if I mean, if you get to a point with science where you're orbiting the Earth in a in a Hubble telescope and you turn around and you take a photograph mm-hmm. from all the angles possible, right? Then you go, oh, that's round now. Now that's round, and that's a fact, and we don't really have to talk about that aspect. Fair it's enough. It's not like that's a evolving situation. So my example before of how what I think he was saying is if you took a vote. Of how, for example, let's say we found out how to go in the past and we could calculate exactly how long the universe is, mm-hmm. or how long the Earth is. There's uh, Christians who go around saying it's three to six thousand years old. Okay. Oh, let's take a vote. Is it three to six thousand years old? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the answer is fucking no. Your your vote is irrelevant. Okay, but let as me let me truth. ask you this: how how does that affect their lives, really? But I guess it's like that. It doesn't. It, it doesn't practically. Like, look, I believe in evolution, but these people are like, you can't, you can't let them teach this. Well, what about abstinence-only education? Hey, kids, don't. Oh, it's one of my big problems. I, I have a huge problem with, with, uh, like, I'm, I'm not for abortion, but the fact that the church goes out and says, uh, well, no, you can't use birth control. You're just not allowed to have sex. Well, in the history of humankind, everybody fucks. Yeah. And most of the people who, who go, go to church, they fuck. And they fuck before they, they put a ring on their finger. You know, most of them. Uh, 
I have a huge problem with that. It's detrimental. Like, there's some things that I think the church does need to progress on, and other things that I'm like, no, you're so, good. So, like, you know, I think I, I see exactly where Neil deGrasse Tyson is coming from with that quote where he's saying, well, whether or not you want to teach, like, absence-only education, super don't, because if you do teach absence-only education, has nothing to do with your, your numbers of teen pregnancy is going to go up. Right. And when we know when a 15-year-old who does, hasn't finished high school gets pregnant, right. the statistics of the trajectory of that kid's life is abysmal. So, I think so you're when, extrapolating a lot from a simple sense. But what I'm saying is... Well, it's he's it's a philosophical. It, it, I've I've listened to the dude talk. He was just attacking religion, and that's not what science is about either. Well, I think religion sucks, and I don't think. I mean, here's here's what I, my problem with if if any institution is bureaucratic enough where they have a brick and mortar and they got to pay rent every month, mm-hmm. it's going to be exploitative because that person's like, hey, I set up shop. I don't just want to have this much money. I don't just want to have this many wives. I want to have this many. So I need to have sling more bullshit. I need to sling more bullshit. I need to expand. Like a corporation of knowing stuff? No. If you have a book, I get it. Write one book. Someone buys a book. They go privately and read it themselves. I don't like someone having that much power over the control of people's minds. I think it's very, very dangerous. But again, number one, you, you keep conflating the religion with the organization, and they're two separate things. And number two, the people who are going to be led astray or led to do stupid things, they're going to do it no matter what. Like I said, there's plenty of atheists these days that treat uh, atheism like a religion. Yeah. And I see a lot of them talking, saying things that don't make any sense from a, from a logical or practical standpoint. And but they think, oh, I'm a free thinker. I'm not one of those religious people. I'm a free thinker. I'm an atheist. No, you're not. You just have a different religion that you don't view as a religion. I mean, you know, there's plenty of free thinkers, but on some yeah. level, we're all sheep. I'm not. I'm not original. I'll never tell anybody that I've, I've been like I'm. I'm one of the few people that thinks for myself. I'm fucking led led by the by the by the dick a lot, in many different respects. You know, we all are and. Like, I mean, I know like there's no actual text from Socrates, but I learned it in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, so that's what I'll go with. The only true knowledge is knowing that you know nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm an agnostic. I don't know. Right. But I mean, I think I, when I look around, I think I'm pretty smart, you mm. know. And if I don't know, like these motherfuckers definitely know mm. shit, you know. So maybe, but maybe mm. they know one thing that you don't. Maybe. Just like in comedy, dude, you can always Probably learn something about... from somebody. No matter how stupid they may be, they might understand something or have perspective on something that you don't. Yeah, they might bake an excellent cake. Talk about any th- kind of life, how the world works. Well, who they, the they... fuck doesn't like cake, motherfucker? Like, we might have beef. You don't like cake? I love cake. But right, what I'm then. saying is... We're I... okay. We won't have to have a roast battle. <laughs> what I'm saying is... I wouldn't take their... If they were like, yeah, but also in the afterlife, okay, I, I don't have to listen to anything that you say about this because I know that you've been programmed by opinions that aren't your own. So whatever babbling starts to happen... But when, you've when been programmed by opinions person, that aren't your own either. No, I just... I know that I... That really nobody knows. I, I The only thing I'm pretty sure of is but, everyone's fucking stupid. But I just told you that, that I got that from fucking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's a form of programming. Look, one of the things, one of the reasons that I, 
Oh. One of the reasons that I hate uh, John Stewart, I used to be a huge John Stewart fan. I think as a comedian, he was brilliant. And then one day, he got an award for journalism, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty smart." And he said a lot of things that, like on a comedy show, that people took seriously. And so he started saying more things that people took seriously. Now some of it he was right, some of it he's wrong. But people started treating him like he was a news source. And right. when they called, when people called, would call him out on stuff, he would say, oh, well, wait, wait, I'm a comedian. I mean, not really, but kind of. Right. You know, which is why that has nothing to do with anything. But I always respect Bill Maher over Jon Stewart because Bill Maher doesn't fucking back down and say, you know, like, oh, I'm just a comedian. If he said it, he stands behind it, you know. Right. Um, but plenty of people got their news from The Daily Show. Now, whether you get it from... ABC, CNN, Fox, uh, New York Post, whatever, you're, you're also getting a version of reality rather than reality. Yeah, corporate reality where so, they're trying to sell you drugs or whatever. So it's no different than getting it from The Daily Show, but just like Scientology, one of them you probably shouldn't take as seriously because, you know, you know to begin with that it's a joke. Scientology came from someone that we know for a fact was a science fiction author author, and on record a liar but people believe it and I mean I don't know to what extent those stories are true I assume most of them are but I've never been in a fucking Scientologist camp you know and yeah. maybe they might actually use like fucking brain control or some shit or maybe they just find people who are super susceptible but like facts are facts if you believe it or not like it is a fact that he's a science fiction writer right you know like if they're like oh no actually he was channeling it's like no he like early in his career like he was a science fiction writer people mm-hmm. could extrapolate Scientology and start to believe whatever right. they want but their beliefs are relevant because they're wrong mm-hmm. like I'm big on that like, if you're wrong, your beliefs are kind of irrelevant. You know what I but mean? But someone on the opposite of the argument <laughs> thinks the same thing about you. About me, personally? Or one very particular fact that I'm talking about? Uh, in this day and age, does it really... Like, it's kind of split in hairs. In reality, it's not. But the way people treat it is. No, I like I like talking about ideas. I don't. It, ideas don't get personal for me. We probably got an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're we're actually uh, at an hour, hour fifteen. 15. Yeah. Um, like I said, dude, I uh, the reason I don't get angry about anything is because I I don't take myself or the world that seriously. You know, uh, I saw something the other day. Uh, uh, they were talking about that little girl that got shot. You know, uptown or downtown, whatever. I think it was downtown. Um, and somebody said like, oh yeah, I guess the I guess the Confederate. Uh, statues did that and I was like okay I'm with you on the like the confederate shit is stupid and a distraction but a little girl died like my bullshit isn't as important as that little girl's life right so why the fuck are we talking about confederate statues when a little girl was murdered for right. doing her fucking yeah, homework yeah that's gross and I see a lot of that on, on Facebook from people that I respect like did like and, and a lot of different people like if it's one person I can just hide it but when I see five people saying that kind of shit, I'm like, what the fuck is... Like, and I know these people. They're not bad people. They're not intending any harm. But, you know, we all get caught up in our own bullshit. And I try to remind myself, and I'm not... By no means am I saying, like, I'm in, enlightened, because I'm not. I just told you a few minutes ago, a little while ago, that I... Like, a man said something about our show, and I 
my first instinct was, let's go down to his show and beat the fuck out of him. And then I tried to remind myself, oh, wait, you're an adult. You're 36 years old. Like, you got your bullshit, you know. And you've also done, I've also done things to people that I'm sure, uh, unintentionally, but I'm sure they took and and went like, I want to go fuck, let's go fuck this dude up. You know, we all have our own bullshit. I, I just don't take myself or the world that seriously because it's not. You know, it's like, not that serious, right? Some of it is, you but should. most of the stuff that we deal with isn't. You yeah, know, it is weird when people get furiously angry. It's like we're not doing brain surgery over here. Like we're trying to tell dick jokes, like keep it in perspective. That's what I want. I want more dick and pussy jokes. Basically. And rape jokes. I mostly like rape jokes. I'm be honest with you. Whoa! If I could just stick that's with my rape trigger jokes, word. How dare you? That's my trigger word. Let's never that's talk always, about it. That's anything. always the one that people seem to be a stickler for. Like we're not allowed to have rape jokes in this day and age. It's like rape's not funny. But like, it depends on who you're raping. It's what? <laughs> I also think it's hilarious that like people who say that also are like, oh, I um. You know, I opened for Louis C.K. once a year and a half ago, and so th- oh, from that right. platform, I c- I will say this: don't make rape jokes. Really? Well, Louis C.K. makes a lot of rape jokes. Stupid. <laughs> so why are you putting that on your resume all the time? Right. Just because he's famous. So are we looking at the ideas? I'm gonna go ideas? one step beyond and say, I think Louis C.K. is mostly famous for his rape jokes. I don't think he'd be. I don't think anyone would think it was funny if he didn't like talk about raping somebody at least once a week. Right. I'm just. I want to go on the record. I want that. You know, if they, that can be in a headline. Adam of the MHOG podcast says that Louis C.K. is only funny because he rapes people. <laughs> that was extrapolated. Mentally. That was extrapolated. Mentally. All right. We've, <laughs> we've we mentally raped the audience enough. This has been both. A Highway Diary Podcast, episode 135 with Adam from Metal Hand of God and episode 205 or 206 of Metal Hand of God. It's been very pared down. This has Uh, been more of a journalistic thing. We're recorded next to a highway. You hear cars going by. (laughs) So uh, I guess I'm supposed to end this the way it always ends. See if I can do this. Keep it metal! This has been another episode of Highway Diary in the motherfucker bag. Thanks to my guest, Adam from Mill Handica. Thank you, Eric Oliver. Okay, later.